The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good Sunday night. The transactions have begun apace. We got to talk about the Schroeder trade. We got to talk about all these new dates and various other machinations that came out in a variety of league memos and CBA agreements today. And we got to talk about the Detroit Pistons and Miami Heat offseason. We still have four more left to go. Of course, Dunktown Prime subscribers got the Miami Heat when we've recorded it on Saturday. And Dunktown Prime subscribers got the last two episodes of the mock-off season, which was a lot of fun this year. A lot of really interesting revelations. So if you haven't signed up for Dunktown Prime yet, we are offering a special yearly deal for Dunktown Prime Total Access. You'll get not only access to our ad-free podcasts, at least four per week, you will also get access to the salary sheets that Danny and I use. We're going to be spending a lot of time updating dates on those. That'll be fun. Uh, a list of all the mock-off season transactions, what the team's salaries would look like with the mock-off season, get chats for us on a monthly basis, lots of cool stuff uh, with Dunked On Prime Total Access. And if the price is an issue for you, we do offer hardship pricing. You can find out more about that. Just go to Nate Duncan NBA on Twitter. My pinned tweet in that letter has details on that. But let's get started here with a trade that has been agreed to between the LA Lakers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mr. LaRue, the terms, if you please. As we understand them at the moment, it is Oklahoma City trading Dennis Schroeder to the Los Angeles Lakers for both Danny Green and the 28th pick in the in Wednesday's draft. And this does not move the needle too much for either team from a salary perspective. These guys make basically the same money. However, it could lead to ripple effects that end up that end up going one direction or the other because the Lakers clear they, they don't have to pay the 28th pick, but they do have an empty roster spot. And for and for the Lakers also, potentially this changes the way they see their own pending free agents. And so in that perspective, maybe it could end up saving them some money. Yeah, rumors are flying that Rajon Rondo is out of their price range now. That may be some of the impetus for this. So let's take a look here from the Lakers' perspective. First of all, Schroeder making 15-5, basically an exact match of the salary for Danny Green. This deal cannot be consummated until after the draft because the Lakers technically cannot trade that 2020 pick now due to the Stepien rule. But once the pick is made, then obviously you can trade it. So they will just make that pick for the Thunder. And then it actually will be cap legal to do the trade this league year. They don't have to actually wait until after the moratorium to do it. And assuming that Anthony Davis is going to return for his max, which he will in all likelihood, 
And we'll assume that Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee are going to opt into their five and four million dollar salaries, respectively. Don't know whether Quinn Cook will be guaranteed or not. We'll find that out shortly before free agency opens. And so now they have eight players under contract and they sit about 25.8 million below the apron. And that obviously is important because if they want to use the full mid level exception, they will be hard capped and they cannot go over that for any reason. And the big variable remaining now is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Reports are that he's going to opt out of his 8.4 million, presumably expecting to get a raise off of that. And then, you know, even if he comes back, that's nine players. You need really another 10 million or so just to fill out with minimums at that point and so it looks like depending on how much kcp gets you know if he comes for around 10 million he signs a longer term deal then maybe they might be able to shoehorn in the mid-level but it's gonna be pretty darn difficult you would expect you could also maybe see them move on from avery bradley or javel mcgee to open a little bit more space under the hard cap so th- that's where they sit from a financial situation right now. And Caldwell Pope, I mean, they absolutely have to bring him back now, you would think, because they don't have a way to replace him. And they have really very little in terms of 3 and D guards. Maybe Bradley, they feel, can fill that role. He wasn't there, obviously, in the bubble. So from the Lakers' perspective, what do you make of this trade? How are we going to evaluate it? There are there are kind of two big branches of the of this to me for from the Lakers perspective one is that this was one of their their strongest kind of overall sets of levers to pull to improve this team for 2020 slash 21 they used Danny Green as matching salary and they gave up their first round pick that is not all they have they have Kyle Kuzma if they want to move him the mid-level exception they have other matching salary but really like this is this is the this takes a lot of other things off the table so they basically you and I like to use the phrase opportunity cost this makes a lot of other possibilities including trading for Oklahoma City's other point guard, Chris Paul, very, very difficult, if not impossible. And so then it becomes, well, Dennis Schroeder better be worth it. And the answer there for me is a little bit is is a little bit complicated because Schroeder he he theoretically checks some boxes that are interesting for the Lakers. He is a definitely a secondary scorer and creator, which is something that they won in Extol LeBron. That's part of the role that Rondo filled in the playoffs ably in the rest of the season. Meh. And so having that with him and a younger player who, you know, theoretically they could re-sign because they'll have full bird rights on him, that's intriguing. But then the other part, and this has come up a couple of times with Schroeder over the last little bit, is the inconsistency that he's had as a catch-and-shoot guy. So I was going back through this, and as a pull-up shooter, Schroeder's never been great. You know, he's in the, he's in the like, 20, 25 to 28% range there. But yeah, from, from three, to be From clear. three, from pull-up threes, yes. Yeah, he's actually really improved his two-point jump shooting off the dribble over the and, years. And then if you go through Schroeder's three-point catch-and-shoots over the last couple of years. So this past season, 41%, 41.4. Previous season, 35. Season before that, 28. Season before that, 39.6. So he has two years at about this level and two years that are meaningfully worse. And there is an argument that LeBron James being on your team leads to better leads to better catch-and-shoot opportunities because the attention and the, his amazing skills as a passer. But are you willing to bet that this is the real Schroeder or that even that this is the high watermark and the mean is just somewhere a little bit lower and that's what I would be betting and so that is a a useful player for them but is that worth throwing this many chips in on him yeah certainly he fills the need for another ball handler that's why Rondo when he came back and actually played at a really high level in the playoffs 
was so useful to them they really did need one more guy but the advantage is that Schroeder is a more reliable spot-up shooter than Rondo despite Rondo's playoff heroics again I do think it was you can't count on getting exactly that from him again in the playoffs and he's also just much worse in the regular season so this I think this move you know definitely Schroeder to me is an upgrade on Rondo in the regular season I'm not sure if he actually is an upgrade on what Rondo gave them in the playoffs but that may not have been available even if they had retain Rondo but Rondo did so much more defensively than we ever expected him to in the playoffs last year and Shooter you know for example guarding James Harden he really was not able to do that he's just a little bit more undersized even than Rondo a little bit thinner obviously he was known as baby Rondo when he got drafted because they had pretty similar physical proportions but he never really filled out in the way that Rondo did certainly as an off the dribble attacker finisher pick and roll player secondary attacker he adds something I still have concerns about him due to his small size at the absolute highest levels trying to go against say the Clippers and really getting hunted down in a way that maybe wouldn't have necessarily happened to Rajon Rondo who also had a better defensive reputation so I'm not sure I buy Schroeder at the absolute highest levels as a player certainly during the regular season he'll take a lot of the strain off LeBron James that's important as well um definitely more of a score than distributor but they have a, a decent amount of passing on on this team still the question becomes though losing Danny Green yes Danny Green did not play that well in the playoffs he struggled to shoot the ball he's lost a step defensively you know he can't really guard I don't think the best guys as you know, he could be an acceptable option there but not necessarily a plus option he's a little too slow now to guard the other team's point guard as well although again I'm not sure how good if shooter's going to be asked to do that i'm not sure how good he's going to be at that um you know getting over screens high effort throughout the game he improved defensively last year but i still at the absolute highest levels i he could do it but he's unproven there so green he didn't shoot it as well as he normally does as kevin pelton pointed out this is kind of buying high on shooter and low on green i think oklahoma city might actually be better off with danny green than with shooter just because oklahoma city had nothing of a three and d variety whatsoever but they're not trying to win i'm sure green they're also i don't think they're going to keep him yeah yeah i mean he's not going to end the the season but there are a lot of teams that could really use danny green to be sure and you know hollinger pointed out that he he thinks he has some value i'm not so sure about that because green has always been more valued by us and he's than the league and he's taking a little bit of a step back 15 million for danny green and this economy <laughs> is uh seems like a lot so i'm uh i'm not sure that he would have had positive trade value depend maybe if he got flipped for something else that was worse sell you know he's got positive trade value if he gets traded for james johnson or something in minnesota right like or, or for a longer contract if they use him as a vessel yeah, for... exactly yeah yeah he he definitely can, can be that and you know as a guy who can play and maybe is a little bit overpaid but he also could just play better this year and then not be overpaid either if he just shoots it a little bit better so hollinger was critical of the lakers for not really scouring the market that much certainly going through every possibility and putting in the work i mean the early agreement on this would maybe indicate that again the lakers you know didn't squeeze every drop out of this that they could have and of course they give up the 28th pick as well so i this is one of those ones where they may be better for it like it's kind of similar to the ad trade they may be better for it but this is kind of you have these resources and you're spending them and maybe in a little bit more profligate way than you needed to but 
that's not to say that this can't work out for the Lakers. Um, but I, you do wonder maybe what else could have been out there, or even just to move Danny Green for something else. Or why couldn't they have waited until Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee opted in and guaranteed Quinn Cook and then traded those three guys and retained Danny Green? Because it they're... doesn't matter to OKC. I mean, it matters to OKC in the sense that Danny Green is better than those guys, but I think they do this deal for getting basically getting off of Schroeder for a draft pick. I think they do that anyway. And yeah. so, so there are two kind of two things on that. One... This puts, to me, a lot more heat on Palenka and the Lakers front office to use the mid-level exception well, whichever mid-level exception ends up being, because now they're really thin, you know, two through two and three or two through four, if you want to, you know, obviously LeBron's going to play some of those mids and so is AD, but depending on, you know, depth at those spots. And those are hard to find capable players at the minimum. Now, the Lakers have a better sales pitch than almost every team for the minimum because they're no glamour market, they're a clear-cut championship contender, and they have minutes potentially to offer. But that can be very difficult. So if they can get a good player, you know, a closing five guy for the mid-level exception, whichever one it is, then this then I think this looks better. But the limitations with Schroeder, it's it's you know, you talk a lot about uh, you're the one who articulated this well of like the playoffs are about weaknesses in some ways more than they are about strengths. And that could be a real challenge for Schroeder just because what you need and like, and some of that will work out, but like the defensive stuff and, you know, like there's a weird thing that you need less around LeBron. So maybe you should focus on other things, but it could, it could absolutely could work out. I'm not going to fork. I've been wrong on Schroeder before. I'm not going to foreclose on the possibility. So that's, that's one other big part for the Lakers is just like, what do they do with the mid-level? Yeah, and as you mentioned, I, I mean, I guess Schroeder could again be part of another trade later if you needed him to. But generally, when you give up a first-round pick for a guy, you do so with the intention of keeping him. Well, and, I mean, and the reporting yeah. from I think that was ESPN that they they have the intention of eventually signing him to a new contract to stay. Yeah, and actually, it looks like with the new dates that as we'll get into much more, they could even extend him potentially. You know, that six months is going to be a little bit shorter now to where you can actually extend guys before what we assume the trade deadline will be. We don't know exactly when the the trade deadline will be. I'm guessing it'll probably be before the All-Star break, though, which isn't going to actually have an All-Star game, but will be a break from, uh, looks to be projected right now, at March 5th through 10th. And for OKC, I mean, just Dennis Schroeder wasn't a part of their future. They get off of him, they get a first-round pick, and in the end, that Carmelo Anthony trade ended up working out pretty well for them, except for... The one year when they were trying to win, Schroeder didn't actually help them. He was terrible this year. But from a pure asset play standpoint, he helps them make the playoffs last year. And the pick that they sent out is probably going to turn into two seconds because it's only, uh, it's... It's lotto protected. Yeah, lotto protected, but only one year. And then it turns into two seconds. So they're probably not going to be, for 2022, they're probably not going to be in the playoffs if they continue in this direction. So... Good piece again by Sam Presti. He adds to the ledger. They're now going to have the 25th and 28th picks. There had been some rumors that they'd be interested in trying to move up. I don't know how much 25 and 28 gets you. When uh, Also hilariously that the Celtics have 26 and 30, so the Thunder can just like slightly trump that package <laughs> now. <laughs> Uh, but it's, I mean, it seems like 
those teams are going to be probably trying to move up and consolidate a little bit more the thunder because they have so many draft picks already you might just get some guys with higher upside and the celtics just from a roster spot perspective yeah um also some reporting from mark stein that the lakers are interested in west matthews we will see where that market goes what you know whether that requires some of the mid-level remember he played for the minimum he actually declined his option which every player at the minimum should do if they're confident they could get another minimum contract or better west matthews should be confident in that And then the other Lakers news is that, as expected, but still reported by Chris Haynes, Anthony Davis will decline his player option to become an unrestricted free agent. And the big question there is not that that's like the surprise that's going to happen, but it's does he sign a one plus one? Does he sign a two plus one or something else? Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. And we might as well roll through the rest of these option decisions here. And it turns out that... uh. Nikola Batum will be exercising his $27 million player option for the 2021 season on Monday. And what's more, Otto Porter will be opting into $28.4 million for the 2020-2021 season. Intrepid reporting there. Thank you for Joms and Chris Haynes for giving us that. Hey, allowed me to switch it in my option breakdown. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. S- since, uh, you know, you weren't able to do that on July 6th, 2016 when the uh nick batum's contract was signed fair enough um but then the the other um and so i mentioned the 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 west matthews one that was you know that was a little bit less clear but then the one that was you know we thought it was going this way but we weren't 100 percent sure was evan fournier fournier has a had a 17 million dollar player option and we both thought that one of the other ways that he could opt out was he opts out and agrees to a longer term deal with orlando that costs less money this year and just you know extends beyond this year that did not happen fournier will play on that no guarantee that he will do so as a member of the orlando magic but he will do so for 17 million dollars wherever is that it for the options yes at least as of now i'm sure there will be more yeah it's, coming in i will i will say that as somebody who tried to go through the verbiage in the in the like of the how they adapted the dates it is grotesque <laughs> 
Um, so there are a series of them that are supposed to be on Monday and, and Tuesday and all that, and I very well could have gotten them wrong because it's, I mean, because they're trying to adapt from a system that no longer exists. So it's like, you know, it's like there used to be flexibility, and so you're trying to adapt it to current dates and all that. And also it was, yeah, there are challenges, but still, still happy to have it. Um, so I think then we can move to the the other kind of set of important things that happened on this Sunday, and that is getting a clear sense of the NBA's calendar and some of the other kind of key components of this season and offseason. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff here. As anticipated, December 22nd is opening night. There will be an all-star break, but no all-star game March 5th through 10th. Regular season ends on May 16th. The play-in tournament will be over the next four days. So we had wondered how exactly that would work in terms of the timing and the travel and stuff. So it looks like they'll actually, you know, it's the 17th through 24th. So I guess that actually is technically five days. And then May 22nd is when the first round of the playoffs start. And the NBA Finals will be July 8th through 22nd. So basically seems like everything is just about pushed back by a month. The NBA Finals ending on the 22nd is a little bit later than normal. And then the last day of the the calendar year is, the, cal- the league calendar year is August 1st. So free agency will start at 6 p.m. Eastern on August 1st, at least as we see it right now. You imagine the draft will be some point in between July 22nd and August 1st. Other dates that are interesting here as we move forward. The last day for a player to sign a Supermax extension or a rookie extension is the last day before the season, December 21st, as it was before. That also will apply to players extending with two years remaining on their contract if you have one year remaining on your contract you can do a normal veteran extension at any time the Andre Guadala trade exception the biggest trade exception that's out there that was originally July 7th now that's going to be November 23rd so a couple of days after the moratorium ends or I guess the day after the moratorium ends and the deadline to waive and stretch a player including the 2021 salary and to have that be stretched is december 9th so that's basically the equivalent of what used to be september 1st will now be december 9th this year what else we got in terms of some of these changed systems here the two-way stuff is interesting yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting with two ways. I mean, so the, it seems like it's a, a a kind of a more streamlined structure. You have the players can be active for fifty games. It's not any of the the forty five kind of the forty five day stuff as before. It's also locked in how much money the two way players will get. They'll get four hundred forty nine thousand one hundred fifteen dollars for those of you counting all the way to the ones column. So how teams use it could be a little bit different this time around. Yeah, there's also no deadline to sign a two-way contract, which uh, again seems like it is a nod to the idea that more roster flexibility will be needed. Normally, the last day you can sign a two-way contract is January 15th. Also, though, while two-way players can be active for 50 games each, each team can only have their two-ways active for a total of 80 games unless you have a 15th player on the roster where you can have either 14 or 15 but this is just to make sure that teams who are in the tax for example don't try to cheap out by not having a 15th guy and then relying on two-way players more than normal and it also just eliminates this ridiculous dance of having to track 
whether the guy was actually with the big league team and practicing and traveling and all that shit which was always just a massive pain in the ass so this seems to make a, a lot more sense here um and the nba says that they will be continuing to look at further rule modifications if there are additional covid absences the you know there's those hardship rules when you just have so many players injured you can sign another player that may play in with the coronavirus stuff as well um this isn't incredibly interesting but basically all the players who had off-season workout and summer league bonuses and stuff this year since there wasn't really a chance to do that just as long as you show up at training camp on time you just get those bonuses which is be nice for some people um and another thing that's interesting here is the qualifying offer deadline is november 19th so the day after the draft 5 p.m eastern so we'll know for these restricted free agents whether they're going to be restricted or not the day before free agency not not a huge surprise there as well what else we got here well the we got the clarifications on how the luxury tax reduction is going to work and it is very good news for teams that were potentially or will potentially go deeper into the tax because it's it's it, it works on the amount a team is above the tax line and then you think about that the tax payment is calculated off of that so it actually cha- can change a team's tax bracket yeah, so I, I can elaborate on that a little bit. The way it sounded like it was going to work from the reporting was, let's say you're $15 million over the tax. Normally, your tax payment would be $28.75 million. So we thought, let's if BRI is only 70% of the projection, you just multiply that by the tax payment. So that would end up being 17.5 million. I'm sorry. No, that would end up being under, under what I, we thought it was, 20.2 million. But the way it's going to work instead is if you're 15 million over the tax line, you multiply that 70% by the amount you are over the tax, not your tax payment. And so basically what that does is it lops off the top end of your tax, which is important because remember, the further you go into the tax, the larger amount you have to pay on a per dollar basis. It's $1.50 for the first $5 million, $1.75 for the second $5 million, $2.50 for the third $5 million, and then $3.25 for the next $5 million, which would be the $15 to $20 million over the tax bracket, and it continues to increase from there. So now, if you have a $15 million tax payment, BRI is only 70% of the projection, so now you're deemed to be only $10.5 million over the tax, rather than 15 million over the tax and so then your payment gets calculated on that so just to let's say you're 15 million over the tax the difference in the two formulas one under the formula that i thought it was you'd pay a little for 20 million you'd pay 17.5 under what it actually is so you'd save about three million bucks there but then when it really is going to kick in for some savings is once you if like the warriors maybe the celtics nets and sixers i don't know how many of them would be over 15 like 15 is kind of a de facto hard cap for a lot of these teams anyway but if you are going to go over 15 now it becomes much more palatable to do that because you're getting that top percentage lopped off so that's uh very byzantine but tldr this is another thing that helps the tax teams even more than we first thought that it would uh, anything else on the CBA stuff, or we have a few other news things to talk about? Yeah, let me see if I, if there's anything else. Oh, this is big. 
hopefully it won't be big, but uh, each side will have the right to terminate oh, the collective yeah. bargaining agreement following each of the next two seasons. There was a termination option following the 22-23 season. The opt-out date was the preceding December 15th there, but this is basically just continuing the force majeure clause. And I think that this is maybe more just for the purpose of noting that there is a ton of uncertainty going forward here and basically just to force the sides to negotiate so that they can adapt the agreement to changing circumstances when they both have this mutual opt-out and so hopefully this won't lead to labor strife particularly if the game seems like it's recovering i think it's really more of a safeguard probably for the owners if it's like hey we not only does it look like we didn't hit our targets in bri for 2021 but let's say like the vaccine doesn't work or something or like they're just it still looks like they won't be able to have fans in 21 22 and you know th there's sort of this idea still that it's short term but hopefully you know i think it's really just to protect the size in case there's just like a total disaster again i mean so just consider it somewhat similar to the original force majeure clause that allowed them to open things up again to begin with i'm less optimistic than you i'm i'm very concerned that this will that there will be a lockout in 21 but i hope i'm wrong i really do yeah i well so here's why i don't think it will is it's just once the owners beat the players and got that 50 percent of bri down from 57 percent I mean, you see how much these franchises are going up now. The, the biggest reason I think that they're going up, well, number one is TV money, but number two is that you basically, unless you're just like going crazy trying to win the championship and going, you know, tens of millions of dollars into the luxury tax, you basically have guaranteed profits baked in. And I think you know, maybe maybe what it'll turn out, Danny, is like this deal with the escrow is just so favorable to the players that the owners are like, hey, we're still losing money. We have to get more. And then the players say no. But I think it's enough to protect the owners still. I think the only way the owners do it is if it's just like they, they are really, truly losing money. And I don't necessarily anticipate that that's going to happen. And I mean, for everyone, if after another bad year, to be like, oh yeah, fans are going to be back in and now we're going to not, we're going to lock the players out just in time for us to actually start making money again. That doesn't make sense to me. I think it would take a disaster for, that's not really anticipated for the owners to be like, all right, we can't continue like this anymore. I hope you're right. Uh, man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. 
and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us um <laughs> this fucking houston thing man <laughs> Let's move on to that. <laughs> Which part of it? Are, are you talking about the slow developing Russell Westbrook discussions? I mean, we could start there because it's simple. Uh, Woj, his tweet was, here's how sources describe the marketplace for a possible Russell Westbrook trade. Slow developing. And then he continued to note in his article about James Harden, which we'll get to, that the Rockets have been actively searching for trade partners for Russell Westbrook, but that marketplace is proving relatively barren. And I think the way that that's happening, obviously, is the Rockets are searching around for a team that will actually give them assets for Russell Westbrook, and they are finding it relatively barren. And so I wouldn't feel any motivation if I were the Rockets to give up assets to accommodate a trade request, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen in the NBA. We, that's, that's why this trade request is so absurd to begin with. And then Ian Begley. Oh no, I'm sorry. This is uh BOTP as Frank. I so calls him Berman of the post. Mark Berman says that Leon Rose is all in on trading for Russell Westbrook. Should he come for cheap and that the Knicks will not give up any of their future assets, but they do of course have the cap space to just take Westbrook into space. I, I will say this, if it, if it, if there is a team that will basically take Westbrook on, the Rockets should basically offer to valet him to any of those places for, you know, like that would be a heist for the Rockets if they could get even close to that. Westbrook is one of the worst contracts in the league. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm in total agreement there. Could save Tillman Fortis some money as well, which... And create an all-time trade exception. <laughs> Not that the Rockets would necessarily use it, but they would have it. So the bigger news is that the plausible eventual possibility, which took six hours to manifest in the case of Westbrook's trade request, but supposedly Harden has not requested anything yet. He started putting out some feelers about potentially moving somewhere else. And he, his representatives, apparently, according to Woj and Zach Lowe and Rona Shelburne, and then supplemented some by Ian Begley, reached out to the Nets to see whether there's some interest there. Begley's reporting was that some Nets players were into it, but others were not. That's fascinating. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and speculate that Kevin Durant was into it and Kyrie Irving was not. Um, but that's that's total speculation to be clear. But I, you know, knowing what you know about the the players' personalities, it's not a shocker. And you know, maybe the players who Harden would be traded for might not be into it either. That that could be another component of that as well. Um, but it sounds like. 
A, both Harden and Westbrook are concerned, as from a Kelly Eco Sam Amick report earlier in the week about the direction of the franchise with D'Antoni and Maury leaving. That has left serious doubt in both players' minds about the ability to sustain long-term success. Uh, they have no interest in a rebuild, obviously. But the state of things here, according to Lowe, Ramona, and Woj, is that if the Rockets did decide to engage in trade talks on Harden, They've privately made it clear that they would require a monstrous return of players, draft picks, and pick swaps. And the reporting noted Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and several more intriguing young players as potentially part of a package. So I don't think that this happens, but just for fun, what do you think it would look like with Harden on the Nets? Oh boy. I mean, defensively, it'd be like a pièce de résistance. I mean, you'd have because you have Kyrie, whose whose effort level is inconsistent. You have Harden, whose execution is inconsistent. Like Harden basically requires a switching system, which is not great for Kyrie to be in, or DeAndre, if that presumably is who's still going to stay at center. Uh, offensively, I mean, it'd be fascinating. We have three of the three of the most dynamic offensive players in the NBA, to, uh, at least depending on what KD looks like altogether, and three guys that are often imperatives for opposing defenses so I, th- I think that i think it could work and all of them capable off-ball players so i, I mean it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see how that worked i would love to see it just from a basketball standpoint and one other kind of quick note on that in terms of matching salary which is obviously not everything in a hardened trade brooklyn can get there that part of it is not a problem now it would probably be a very stars and scrubs roster because it would take a lot you know to get up to close to matching hardens 41 point three million for this coming year you know you need to put a lot in there but they the nets have those kind of you know levert prince dinwiddie that get you pretty much there and so and presumably i would think jared allen would be the deal so i would be absolutely fascinated to see how worse i don't think they would be the championship favorites but oh my god would i watch that team all the time yeah i i do they would have the potential to maybe be the greatest offense of all time but they also have the, a lot of implosion potential as well and i mean you mentioned capable off ball players you know irving and harden can shoot the ball off the ball but they also don't really like you know cut or move. play like they play like they give a shit off the ball yeah now Fair. you know i mean you've got what might be the three best isolation players in the game of basketball all on the same team so basically you could just do your turn my turn every possession and the other team just wouldn't have enough guys to guard all of them um and you just outscore the other team and you had as as you mentioned i don't think it would be a particularly exciting defensive group but we'll see now yeah we we really when it really comes out that he's on the block we can talk about what some other potential hardened packages are but the nets have have a decent one um i mean it seems like the rockets just have no idea like they must just i I will note it would be hilarious for them to get spencer dinwiddie because i assume he would just opt out and leave but maybe they see him as a benefit just because he's an actually good basketball player but i also it would be i mean unless they just pay him an ungodly amount like i feel like that would be a rental well i mean what do you have to be thinking right now if you're Tillman Fertitta and Raphael Stone, did you just, like, was this part of the plan? Did you kind of realize, all right, with no D'Antoni, no Maury, we're just ready to rebuild this, and this is all spin. We're just, we need to get cheaper. We're not a championship contender. Let's move these guys, and you're okay with it? I honestly, if I were in their situation, I'd probably be feeling the same. I would be kind of happy about this, uh, but 
I don't think that that's what they are thinking necessarily. Like Tillman Fertitta doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's like patient enough to be like, yeah, you know what, this has run its course. Like let's let's rebuild. Let's be bad this year. Let's get get some draft picks. I mean, remember they just traded a boatload for Russell Westbrook and impacted all their draft picks going forward before this. Now, of course, if they are bad enough, then some of those picks might remain in their possession. But there's not a ton of protection on those picks. They're I think they're like top four protected or something like that. A, a lot of them, but we'll just keep an eye on this but it's pretty funny uh to see that it just it it's imploding this quickly for the rockets and maybe they'll stick around with harden you know there's reporting from shams a few days ago that harden is all in but the fact that he's now thinking about it means it's only a matter of time it really does and maybe if they moved westbrook somehow and then they had some financial flexibility and they could get some other players in and maybe they could look okay in the regular season but yeah i just it, well, especially so. when you think about how loaded the West is going to be next year. I mean, if they're, the, it, let's say the standard is like they, even making the conference finals will be a real challenge for any team, but especially, you know, somebody who's outside of that top two or three. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not sure that there's a West team that's going to be incredibly awesome in the regular season. True. Necessarily. So if you're winning as many games as these other teams, that perhaps you can kind of delude yourself into thinking, hey, we, you know, we won 53 games, the Lakers won 56, like we're right there with them. But we'll see. Let's uh, let's hit on some of these other things here. Well, so there was the, the some interesting kind of wording from Giannis that so he was he was doing an interview in sweden discussing his future and he said there are a lot of rumors everyone has opinions but at the end of the day i'll do what's best for my family i don't see why i could not be in milwaukee for several years as long as milwaukee and i are on the same page when it comes to being one of the best teams in the league and winning championships that's fine when it changes it will not be good it's easy i want to be a winner i do not care about money my family's fine i can take care of my children and grandchildren and that's not the most important thing right now it's winning as long as we can win and create a winning culture it will be good yeah so i mean i don't think he's predicting that it will change you know by saying when it changes i think he just means more if it yeah. changes yeah I agree. uh and he was asked if he's going to sign the supermax and he said i don't know what the plan is it depends on what decisions they make if they make the right decisions i'll be there for any, many years if they do not we'll see the nba is business and we can take it day by day hopefully we can succeed together so i mean that's not i don't know that that tells us a whole lot new other than i don't know that he's really said anything publicly even discussing that he could possibly leave you know this is really the first time he's even acknowledged that possibility but it also doesn't make it sound like that's imminent but certainly he's putting the pressure on milwaukee to get better and we'll find out in probably less than a week of whether they can do that or not yeah, and their their tools for getting better are very difficult, and it requires ownership probably committing to spending more money. So again, that will be worth watching as well. Lamelo Ball worked out for the Wolves, and then later in front of the Warriors and I don't know Charlotte and maybe the Bulls. I can't remember. Oh, oh, it was the Pistons. Was yeah, because there's maybe a thought that they could move up, but this seemed like one of those things where like, hey, you want to come in and watch him? Okay, you know, it wasn't. I don't. I think this was just him doing what he was being told to do by his trainer and lamella has actually been in detroit and working out with jermaine jackson in that area um a source told jonathan gavoni that lamello ball shot the ball well in the wolves workout and made it through with no issues i mean i would assume it's his agent saying that um and meanwhile james wiseman is completely dodging the wolves which is understandable he doesn't want to go there with carl anthony towns there yeah absolutely 
So the next little bit of intrigue that's come across our plates is reporting by Jay Michael of the Indy Star that against the Raptors, Heat, and Knicks, Oladipo was just asking their players, hey, can I come play with y'all? Or as he said, some iteration of that puzzling statement that's according to three league sources with direct knowledge of the situation. And then of course, there was the damage control. No, I'm happy in Indiana. I, I would be okay with staying here, blah, blah. But certainly it would appear that Victor Oladipo, who has reasons to be displeased with the Pacers organization, of course, because of how his injury was managed, you know he had that knee soreness and then he suffered that devastating quad tendon injury but this is an indication that he indeed would like to get out and yes there's a a little bit of damage control being done but i'm gonna go ahead and believe j michael's report rather than the denial considering it comes from three sources and it seems like a very weird thing to make up you know (laughs) like it's i mean it it absolutely could but if it happened in separate games giving specific instances also instances that make intuitive sense of you know places that maybe he could be interested in playing and we'll see how that manifests i mean the idea of trading victor Oladipo is difficult for indiana i mean that seems like team right now it seems like teams would be interested in seeing how Oladipo looks physically and some of the parallels with drew holiday of how much would you pay for him as a rental versus thinking he's going to resign and the teams that are most interested in resigning him might not be you know he might not be interested so it's more of a wait and see with Oladipo but the damage control is not surprising all right finally I think that's all we have uh, in terms of news but fear not the next section will be just as sexy we're gonna talk about the offseason for the Detroit Pistons and after that the Miami Heat which will actually be more sexy man I just love American Giant just an amazing clothing company I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then I get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us all right danny tell us about the financial situation for the detroit pistons the pistons are one of the few teams in the nba that has actual credible cap space to work with in the fall of 2020 and 
Rough estimate, there are a couple big variables here. About 30, 30 million, 31 million to work with, depending on a few options that they have and a few other, you know, like the par- Kyrie Thomas has a partial guarantee, all those type of things. So 30 million sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but that amount changes dramatically based on the a couple of possibilities with one friend of, friend of, not friend of the pod because he's never been on, but because we talk about him a lot, Christian Wood. Yeah, and Wood, you'll recall his itinerant journey to Detroit started with the Bucks, signed a two-year deal at the minimum, waived, picked up by the Pels off of waivers at the end of the 2019 season, waived over the summer by the Pels so they could hold on to Jaleel Okafor, eh, maybe not the best idea, and picked up by Detroit, spent all the year with Detroit on that two-year minimum deal. So coming off that two-year deal, they do have early bird rights on him. That may not be enough to keep him, certainly if the mock-off season is any indication. that That's for sure. But for Detroit, the difference in him having early bird rights and not is all they have to do is keep his cap hold on the books, which is the minimum since he's coming off a minimum contract. And they can retain those early bird rights. And then they can pay him right around four years, $45 million or so on a four-year deal, should they like to. Now, will that be enough for Christian Wood? Surely you would think they would make that offer. They did not trade him at the trade deadline, one would think, because they wanted to retain him. He's a 24-year-old unrestricted free agent, put up big, big numbers last year, and I think they want to obviously continue to develop him they traded away Andre Drummond they have a big hole as starting center they probably want to bring him back as a starting center and that's a great opportunity for him however if the bidding gets above that starting salary that's a little bit over 10 million then the Pistons just have to use their cap space on him that's not the end of the world I think for a team in Detroit situation if they were a team that's like all right we want to use every dollar of our cap space we got to get better right now and then we'll bring back Christian Wood you know because they really wanted to contend and they wanted to bring in a superstar and still retain his rights etc that's something that would be difficult but you know if they have to start something above 10 million a year for Christian Wood yeah it lops off 10 million or or whatever his starting salary is out of their 30 million in space but this is a team that has been kind of expensive I don't think they want to be expensive again this year without much of a chance of competing and due to the pandemic if you use all that 30 million and then you bring Christian Wood back in the early bird now you're only 10 million dollars from the tax line you still got to fill out more of the team as well potentially and so you're in just in cash terms you're an expensive team so I don't know that I would have expected the Pistons to just throw around 30 million dollars in contracts maybe if they go after Fred Van Vliet that could be different but uh, I don't think yeah here's the other big part of that yeah even if they make good use let's not say amazing use they make good use of that available cash the Pistons still aren't going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference they still have (laughs) yeah well that hasn't stopped them for the last 10 years but uh fair enough fair enough but like I I think you're right that it could if they end up wanting to retain Wood and remember Christian Wood is a very young unrestricted free agent meaning he can leave for any reason it could be because he'd rather live somewhere else it could be because that team is closer to winning or further from winning whatever the hell he wants and I think that makes that and and how much of a how much of an advantage does he give the Pistons we don't know I mean he's 
had that itinerant career, so maybe he wants to stay in a place where it's actually worked out for him, but you could also see that lead him to wherever the most money is offered or whoever offered, whoever has the best role, best kind of combination of role and team success. And so that freedom that comes with unrestricted free agency, I think that could be really valuable for Wood. And then the other reason, like let's say you compare him to Jakob Pertl, for example, I mean, I would say Wood, his, his skill set is more intriguing, is that he's unrestricted. So you can go after him and know that if he prefers you, you get him. It's not, you don't have to sit and wait, even though the moratorium super short this year. You you know that if he chooses your offer, that you're you're good and you don't have to do play these games. Yeah, and I just, I don't want to spoil the mock off season and where it went there, but just to, for you, Danny, in terms of guaranteed money, what would your ceiling be on Christian Wood? Well, I'm not totally sure. You know, like so, there is a distinct possibility that he is a solid starter or more. That and and remember, you and I have talked a lot about how non-elite centers are significantly less valuable than elite centers, and then you you start to get a replacement. But what makes Wood interesting is that he has more physical, like he has more upside, even if it's not clear that he's going to get there, of you know reaching that level than let's say somebody like Jakob Pertl. Thinking about it right now i would say the absolute furthest i would be comfortable to go and i'm not even totally sure i would like you know i feel great about this would be something like 16 million years so that would be four years 64 million dollars oh baby i don't think i that's that's the furthest i would go i would really be trying to do something more in the like 12 million dollar range that'd be like 448 that would be because you're not sure that he's that guy and also like is a non-elite center making 16 million dollars a year how much does that help you how much how are you two years from now are you sitting in there going well we could do you know spending that on wings or anything else would that be better but there aren't that many high upside players that are young and hit on restricted free agency so i would be gunning for that you know more in the four for 40 four for 48 range and if i were the right team in the right circumstance like let's say i don't know the team i've been banging the drum on for him the charlotte hornets where you're money is less valuable and you need guys with upside i would i would be a little bit more i would lay a heavier roll of the dice yeah you do have the thought for the pistons of just what are they really spending their money on going forward anyway right like do you really want to get let a 24 year old who put up some monster numbers get away and but i think part of the problem with wood is you know he's got some appeal for bad teams um i mean that's part of it right is like the knicks they already have their center in mitchell robinson probably not gonna have interest there charlotte kind of seems like the only one that's gonna have offers above the full mid-level which would be four years 40 million is the most you could offer with that so and does charlotte go after mantras harrell if so then maybe the pistons can get him back for just a little bit more than the mid-level exception on a per year basis and remember christian wood has made no money at all in his career he's just been on minimums the whole time so you gotta lock in really i think the most guaranteed money that you can get maybe you might try to go for a player option but it, i mean it, it i think you really want to lock in that guaranteed life-changing money if you're him but he also has appeal a lot of places you would think because i don't know how good he is defensively yet we i still don't really have the answer to that question but certainly he's got shot blocking potential he's athletic he's an excellent finisher around the rim he can do a little bit off the dribble and he can shoot the three and so that type of versatility in a center offensively i mean he's a really good offensive center already and it's just you wonder whether defensively particularly on a team that's really trying to win whether he's good enough but maybe you just take that chance to find out because again the idea of 
a guy who can shoot on one end or finish around the rim, depending on what you want to do, and then protect the rim on the other. You just don't see that sort of a player that often. And they're just so many teams, like, I mean, God, New Orleans, they got to still be kicking themselves over letting him go. But you know, there, there are many teams that need a center who can space the floor so that your Russell Westbrook, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Julius Randle, Zion Williamson that can't shoot but isn't a center can operate around the rim and then can, but that player can't defend well enough with the exception of Giannis on the other end. Valuable player type. And so I think it really, so much is going to depend on on the Hornets here because that's really the only team with above the mid-level exception unless it's a sign and trade or something, but the Pistons would have to agree to that, obviously um that i think would have interested him because phoenix and new york both have centers already right so that's a, that's a lot there on wood another potential domino for the pistons is derrick rose in the last year of his contract was in six man consideration and you think he actually won your six man vote didn't he correct 7.7 million certainly there are teams that could use him i think also remember that like they didn't trade him last year because they're like oh we're looking for a lottery pick which what contender that wants him is going to have a lottery pick number one but also was just delusional now the trade of dennis schroeder who admittedly makes more money but that may have kind of set the market for derrick rose but the other problem for the pistons is they just don't have anyone else on this team who can handle the ball and i don't think they want to just like absolutely suck this year now we'll see who they draft at seven much has been said that they're gonna uh focus in on patrick williams that seems to be where he's mocked and all these so they, they do seem pretty lasered on him <laughs> yes yes um but th- that's something else to consider it, maybe they hold on to him until the deadline and see if they can get a first it seems more likely to be a two seconds type of trade for rose and also he could implode at any time in terms of his injuries which is why i would suggest that they trade him if they can get any kind of a first rounder even if it involves taking back bad salary i would do that this year if i were them but i something about it makes me think that they're going to hold on to him going into the season we can go i think pretty quickly through detroit's pending other free agents thon maker they won't give a qualifying offer to brandon knight john henson you know if they want to come back for basically nothing you could do it galloway i want to see galloway langston galloway on a better team yeah, I, I could see them bringing him back, though, um, sure. because he does like Dwayne Casey. He had a really good year last year. I don't know that it would be at quite the number he was making, which is $7.3 million, but I could see him coming back for you know something above the minimum here. Uh, uh, and he's also just like a great character guy, great vet. I mean, they just... I mean, they need, he's a, an NBA rotation player. They don't actually have a ton of those here. So I could totally see him being back, but we'll see what his market is like elsewhere, as you mentioned, for a potential better team. Then the Pistons have uh, a couple of non-guarantee, non-guarantee slash team options. Svi Mikhailiuk has a team option at the minimum. They damn well better pick that up. Then Bruce Brown has a non-guarantee at the minimum. They damn well better pick that up. And then Kyrie Thomas is more complicated. His salary is partially guaranteed. About It's about half guaranteed. So the challenge for the Pistons there is if you cut him, you basically are paying somebody else that you know, you're not saving any money really as long as you have to fill that roster spot. But I don't love Kyrie Thomas. I would rather use the roster spot on someone else. So let's talk about their free agency now. I, I agree with you on Thomas. If you just look through their depth chart, they've got Rose. They desperately need another point guard. Maybe they don't bring Galloway back just thinking that Luke Kennard, who obviously was injured much of last year, Luke Kennard and Svi Mikhailiuk, that holds down the two for you. 
at the three they have nothing obviously there's tony snell and his uh 12.1 million dollar player option that he clearly is going to opt into but he'll he'll probably be around you would think at least for the beginning uh, and so they need some more on the wing they've also got second who played towards the end of last year started off well but then you know ended up statistically being one of the worst players in basketball by march but and we'll see whether the new regime believes in him as much if they draft patrick williams that's another wing maybe they'll feel like that's enough on the wing and then they got blake griffin who you know we're hearing all the reports he looks great blah 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 you know i'll believe it when i see it um and then you know presumably bringing back wood or or so so let's say they bring back wood they have to go above the early bird exception so that leaves you maybe 15 million in cap space if these guys actually did want to get better and challenge for the eighth seed which i wouldn't put it past tom gores to be sure also the, the other thing you can say too is if they try to challenge for the eighth seed and it's not hard to pivot out of that pretty early on and and strip down with guys like rose and maybe even griffin um but who sticks out to you as someone that they could get that might help them it's different for the pistons because those i mean one of the easy ones you and i brought this up with the suns and a few other teams are those offense first forwards with gallon not like gallinari and davis bertans but the pistons don't really need somebody like that i think that they and and if they're bringing back christian wood then abaka you know he still makes the team better but you don't need him as much if you're not intending on starting him and the kind of perimeter the other perimeter spots are, are really shallow you know then you're you know maybe like joe harris jay crowder that type of guy or in the two guards is, is in some ways the weaker now maybe you do an offer sheet on um, bogdan bogdanovich who I actually think would be an intriguing fit there just as you you know basically yeah you don't they already got two two guys who are like kind of his physical profile already at the two right. but but i think i like him better than both of them i i mean they personally if they really really wanted to get better for this year you know they would offer like goran dragic something but yeah, that's or van vliet. but but that's yeah i mean and and van vliet to me again just doesn't make sense here but Dwayne Casey's his old coach and who knows you know maybe they just say we're we just want some stability at that position he's only 26 we could get back into it uh I mean if they got Van Vliet it wouldn't and Griffin stayed healthy it wouldn't be insane for them to be in the playoff picture no it's it's the the eighth seed in the east does I mean it's gonna be stronger than last year but it's not gonna be ridiculous yeah although we've we've Especially been wrong before or- on those projections that's for sure sure nobody absolutely. nobody would have thought that the west was gonna be like well below 500 last year yeah but but they definitely need something at the point I mean they need another other than Derek Rose who probably should shouldn't be playing more than 25 minutes a game for his own health and that's not something that is particularly common you know maybe if they wanted a stopgap alec burks could be someone that they could look at or clarkson but you know, augustine I, yeah but another another run for dj augustine back in in detroit and uh you know, jeff teague maybe could still create some shots for you a little bit i don't think reggie jackson if they want to go down that road again um but i think they do have to get some kind of a point guard i mean maybe that happens in the draft and the williams stuff is a smoke screen and if that if you know if they draft killian hayes number seven then you don't necessarily need another high level point guard you would you know you might try to get a um a lower level guy actually trey burke would be a decent fit here i think 
Sure. Just again, just someone who can create some shots on the second. Also unit. went to the, also went to the University of Michigan. Right. Yeah. That's uh, it's got the local thing. They need a backup I, center too. That's another thing. Oh yeah. That, that but those again, I wouldn't want to. They can use the room exception on that very easily. Yeah, depth, depth at the three, I think, would really yeah. help them. Or, or I mean, yeah. even bringing back John Henson wouldn't be insane. Although generally, guys who just get traded somewhere as an afterthought, like he did in the Drummond trade, don't end up sticking yeah. around. And, and and also with Henson, I mean, you don't know what offers are going to be on the table. But if if it's low money everywhere, I could imagine him wanting to be on a better team just for the experience and the opportunity. And so if it's you know around the minimum for Henson, why not go to a good team? And yeah, the Pistons are not. And certainly Derek Jones Jr. Just to get some more athleticism on the wing. Now, if they I mean, have Dumboya and they draft Williams, then maybe they're not interested in that. But you can never have too many bites at the apple at that position, right? And also, I could see them as a Harry Giles destination. Just he has physical talent. You see if it see if it works out. He has a, an intriguing skill set, and just you know, if it takes if it only takes a few million dollars to make it happen, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, Dario Sharich as a backup four, or maybe even. Juancho Hernan Gomez on a, a low-level offer sheet C- could be possibilities. Just a, a stretch four of the future. Maybe that again, they're thinking that Patrick Williams would be that guy if they do draft him. We'll would see. Would you be interested in, for, in Melton at all for them? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, possibly. Although again, they have these guys. They've they've got a lot of guys at these positions, but also no one that is so sexy that I wouldn't bring in some competition for them. Yeah, which is also why the Pistons should clearly go best prospect available, and we'll see who that is. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, should we talk just for like three minutes about Patrick Williams? Have you watched any of him? Yeah, I haven't. Or? I haven't. I haven't gotten into him yet, but I'm interested. Okay, in your yeah. Now we'll we'll talk about him. In a, actually, uh, I, I might be able to talk more about him tomorrow with our guest. I, I never want to jinx it by saying who it is, but we might uh. Might have a chance to do that for downtown prime subscribers um we done here on these guys anything else uh yeah the other challenging thing and i think you and i are both going to have the same thought on this is lucanard is extension eligible and my thought would be it's really hard to come to an agreement because i mean unless he's going to take backup money you just don't you don't want to pay him starter money when he hasn't proven he can be one i mean i could yeah it's a new regime which is maybe a little bit different here but i could see something in the 12 or 13 million range happening even though i wouldn't again wouldn't approve of that i just don't see canard as a huge difference maker he, he's not a guy that i have an amazing feel for but certainly not an asset defensively a one position defender at the two he's got some pick and roll ability his shooting is coming along but he also was injured last year for a team like the pistons that doesn't have deep playoff aspirations anytime soon maybe it makes more sense but I might as well play it out. I, like it's one of those things where if you, he's so good that you end up having to pay him next year, fine. You know that's it's one of them good problems, right? And and Kennard has a he has a significant cap hold of fifteen point eight million. So you could say, oh, it'd be nice to reduce that, but the Pistons they they can they can handle that as need be. And yeah, well, also, well, here, the, yeah, here's another thing on him too is just that he even if he plays really well offensively and i think maybe teams have kind of learned this lesson with buddy healed too just your shooter one position defender at the two that maybe is just not a premium player who really should be getting like over 15 million dollars a year so i don't see even if he plays well i just don't see that much downside for the pistons in terms of his market just exploding it to be like 20 million a year or something like that because like the reason you extend someone is all right we're gonna get give you some guaranteed money and we think you have a possibility of outperforming this and i don't know how much possibility he has of outperforming you know 12 million a year which is probably historically that's kind of the minimum that people are going to take in a rookie scale extension 
Yeah, and especially when you when you consider in the the possibility of you know durability issues and everything else, it's like are you even are you even sure that he's going to be that type of guy? And so for for reference, Kennard played seventy three games this rookie year, but then sixty three and eighteen, nineteen, and twenty eight last year. Yeah, bilateral um, knee soreness. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot worse than unilateral knee soreness. Let me tell you, because um, by means too. Yeah, but just uh, earmuffs for Feldman on this one for the mock rookie extension negotiations everything that i just said about luke canard because uh, <laughs> i'm gonna come in asking for more all right we done on these guys yeah i think so ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Okay, we are back at it here to talk about the Miami Heat offseason. Very interesting one. Interesting results for them in the mock offseason. Maybe not ideal ones, as it turned out. But let's get rolling here with their financial situation, Danny. The Miami Heat are one of the few teams this year that has a legitimate choice of whether they want to function over or under the cap. And it largely will happen kind of due to the negotiations that they have. And so the the shorthand is they have a, a number of pending free agents, Goran Dragic and Jay Crowder, most important among them that you could add in Derek Jones Jr., a few other guys. And so if they want to retain those players, probably best to stay over the cap, can you use the larger mid-level exception and they also have a, a trade exception from the James Johnson deal depending on how far they want to go and everything else like that but alternatively they could create a modest like a small like 15 million or so or amount of cap space and the problem though is that it seems like Pat Riley's biggest priority is 2021 and that could dictate a lot of the decisions that they make yeah it does seem like that and it's been reported already Barry Jackson reporting that Derek Jones Jr. will have offers elsewhere and if he returns to the heat it'll only be on a one-year deal you'd imagine it'll be the same with Dragic and with Crowder so obviously Dragic was really good I don't see him having offers elsewhere above the mid-level and maybe that would be at most probably for three years uh, Dragic is or at least as of July 1 this year was 34 years old and so it seems like they have full board rights on him obviously he may not start for them during the regular season in fact I would doubt that he would given how well preserving him ended up working for them but he's probably going to start for them in the playoffs you would think you know one year 15 million that's what we ended up at in the mock-off season I think that's kind of about right here does that overcome you know let's say if the Lakers were able to scrounge out the full mid-level and go for or, or the Clippers for example go three years at the full mid-level right about 30 million dollars is that enough you think 15 million to convince him to stay does he want to just get his money to or maybe a little bit more stability than one more year thinking that hey it I could fall off here at every time coming off an $85 million contract. How much does he feel like he needs to lock in more money as opposed to going one year? So it's really going to just depend what he's willing to take. But Miami could in theory even go higher. 
than one year 15 million um and i think that's as interesting as it is to say for a team that could have 20 million dollars in cap space if they let everything go they're 43 million below the tax line and when you have to overpay guys on one year deal that can disappear very quickly i think what they would like to be able to do would be re-sign Dragic to a one-year deal re-sign Crowder to a one-year deal maybe even pay them enough that they would take a non-guaranteed second year so that they could have the flexibility of retaining them next year or using cap space and then also using the full mid-level we'll see whether that's possible right i mean they would have to do get Crowder and Dragic with basically about 30 million dollars if they wanted to go into the tax again they could even use the full mid-level and they would have 49 million to spend including the full mid-level i think they could probably get that done. i think they could bring back Dragic and Crowder and use the full mid-level or maybe even have enough room to balloon pay jones for one year to stick around also for me the the big variable is actually jake Crowder Crowder 29 maybe he's you know had it had a very successful bubble and remember how rough things were for him in memphis at the beginning of the season maybe he sees this as a time to kind of cash in get that last big deal especially if there's a situation that he likes but if that doesn't materialize then i think miami could absolutely be there and like Dragic, it might be comparing more money for one year to something in the mid-level exception range for two or three and i could see wanting to go back to miami and for both of those guys the success that the heat had in orlando could end up looming large because it's possible they have offers from good teams absolutely but let's say it's something like what happened in the mock season where jay crowder's considering mid-level with teams that are fighting for playoff berths or a little bit more money for a single season to stay with heat i mean he could choose either and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it's a bad decision to do one or the other but it is a it is a totally worthwhile option for miami and miami another kind of unusual factor to consider with them is normally you would say oh well going into the tax this year especially when you consider how successful they were last year remember they're going to be a cap space team next year by all accounts whether it works or not kind of that well they won't be in the tax next year that is not necessarily true in 21 20 for the 21 22 season because part of what miami is looking to do this offseason is hold back some expenditures basically to keep some holds low and if bam at ends up getting the money we think he's going to get plus duncan robinson and kendrick nunn get raises i actually think miami is going to be one of those rare teams that simultaneously in the same league year uses cap space and pays the luxury tax so if that's yeah, the case i think it's only happened one time before that would be uh 2014 15 the Cavs, the only one i can recall where that's ever happened right and i i believe that is going to happen with miami if things work out you know if they can't find somebody to take their money but i, I think they will in 21 so avoiding the tax this year actually does have different consequences especially if that's you know bringing in a star level free agent then they're going to be expensive for a couple of years so i think that they might want to be judicious might want to avoid the tax this year but i think they'll get as close to it as they can when you consider the incentives involved yeah and if that's the case yeah it really all depends what it takes to bring back crowder and drivers i think they really need to pay up to do that uh and because i just a one-year deal for the mid-level i don't think is going to be that competitive if other teams are offering way more money maybe there's certain players who just want to go to miami for a year hopefully be on a championship contender and feel like that can boost their market for 2021 that you know, maybe if you're a guy who's like hmm, i don't i don't want to lock in to the full mid-level because that's going to be too low for me maybe you would take miami's one-year deal in that instance but i'm not sure who that is right and to me 
me, looking at this group of free agents, there are almost more players or, or there are more full mid-level slots out there than there are maybe players who are deserving of that, who are really going to make a difference. And, um, you know, so let's say, I mean, I would be surprised if you offer Dragic one year, 18 million and Crowder one year, 18 million, that that wouldn't get it done to bring them back. W- would you agree with that? I think Crowder could even be less. It could be somewhere around 13. And then we're getting close to that vaunted $30 yeah. million dollar number. Yeah, well, in that case, Zach Lowe did report that he expects Crowder to have offers at the mid-level for multiple years, a full mid-level. That's true. And so I think that's where I get to 18 million. If, if he's deciding between a two-year or three-year deal at the full mid-level and one year 13 million, particularly given how his game fell off a l- more than a little bit after leaving Boston, and then he came right back to kind of be the same player he was in Boston this year at the Heat, but that wasn't over a full season. He shot the ball better than expected as well. Yeah, would I want to count? on re- reproducing that for a whole season and then getting a big contract in 2021 or do i want to do i view this as my apex and try to cash in over multiple years to the greatest extent that i can uh, i think that's a that's a tough call um but let's say let's say it does get up to 18 million a piece for those guys what is their repeater tax situation danny and, and i totally agree with you it's a great point that you made that they probably are going to be in the tax even if they let Kendrick Nunn go, they're probably going to be in the tax anyway because Adebayo, he's going to make $12 million more than his cap hold. Robinson will make at least $10 million more than his cap hold, probably. And so that'll eat up any difference between just getting to the cap after using your cap space. Then you build on top of that with those guys' contracts. Yeah, they almost certainly, you would think, will be in the tax next year unless they just completely strike out in free agency. So let's assume they're going to be in it next year. What has it been for them the last few years before this the heat had not paid the luxury tax since lebron james left until 2019-20 when they did pay the tax they paid um we, we just got these numbers they paid about 2.5 million and then ended up getting reduced but they paid the tax for 1920 so that that means it wouldn't be a problem for another couple of years but if you put this year if you put 1920 2020 slash 21 and 21-22 starting to starting to get into the get closer to the expensive territory well the other thing too is they could start the season in the tax and then through either Iguodala or Olenek find a way to get out of it sure uh you know or Casey Akpala or Chris Silva or Wait, something like Olenek that is Olenek is a classic example of a of, of a, a circumstance where you can trade him for a player who's making a little bit less and is a lot worse like there there are plenty of guys that are making you know like you could think about let's say the Bulls with Cristiano Felicio like would the Bulls rather have Kelly Olenek than Cristiano Felicio assuming that that doesn't push them over the tax absolutely um and there there are those kind of deals if that's if that's what Miami needs to deduct the tax I, th- I agree with you and also if you you know jay prouder is more important to them than kelly olenic so if that's what it takes then it's fine yeah so i you know i think they could start the season a couple million over the tax line and get down because basically if they were in it last year they're in it this year and then they're in it in 21 22 then you get the repeater tax after that right after you've been in it for three consecutive years uh then you're gonna get it but you know it doesn't really so they'd be able to push out their eventual tax payment one more year or repeater tax payment one more year if they're not in it this year and generally if you're close to the tax it always behooves you to get out of it if you can let me ask you this would you prioritize Dragic or Crowder if it got to the point where you just could only keep one of them Dragic I I like his ability 
ability to create in the half court, and there are times that that can be a challenge for the Heat. Now, if Tyler Hero and all these other guys look as good as they did in the bubble moving forward, then maybe you need that a little bit less. But one consideration going the other way, I would still pick Dragic, is that if Derek Jones Jr. ends up a different place, then this critical mass of wings that Miami amassed part significantly through that Memphis trade at the deadline, that group's getting thinner and then Crowder matters matters more because you don't have as many suitable replacements. Maybe Riley thinks that Casey Okpala or some of these other guys can step in, but they don't really have a lot of clear heirs apparent on the roster. Yeah, I mean, really, if you say that we're just going to start Tyler Hero as basically our point guard and we just believe that much in him, I don't think he's at that point yet. Scoring explosions aside. And this is the, the reason why this team was so good was their egalitarian offensive approach where you just kept putting your finger in the dike and then someone else would be able to score. And Dragic to me is really their best pick and roll player still. And crazy it is to say with him being 34 and Crowder being basically 30, I actually think Dragic might be a better bet to maintain his performance next year than Jay Crowder. I would agree with that. Uh as a big point guard is shooting uh you know as an offensive player i think he he's not going to play the same way he played in the playoffs all year obviously i mean that was just an incredible level that he reached but still just to give you another premium ball handling option that's harder to find than someone like crowder where you can kind of find a more bargain basement version of him even if someone who's not as good as he too was during the playoffs what else do we need to talk about with these guys? I already got into it, but some of the more interesting negotiations that would be happening in another situation would be, you know, figuring out an extension with Bam Adebayo, maybe negotiating something with, well, I'm trying to figure out whether with Nunn and, and Robinson, I guess they, are they extension? Because the deal technically covered three yeah. seasons. No, they, yeah, they will in fact be extension arbitrable. But yeah. with all of them, because you're trying to maintain those low cap holds, 15.3 million for Bam and then 2.1 for both Robinson and none nothing's going to happen there and hopefully Bam Adebayo is more understanding in the long term than Kawhi Leonard appears to be with San Antonio and you know maybe they do something awesome with the space I think a lot of people are hopeful that they will so Miami's extension negotiations aren't going to be particularly compelling they also have theoretically full bird rights on Solomon well, Hill well, can, can we go let's just go into that a little sure. bit more for people who, who may have either forgotten or not quite understand this so Bam Adebayo is a lower pick his cap hold is 50 million Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn so one of them might hit the starter criteria and bump their cap holds up a little bit but they're going to be minimal they're going to be you know under five million dollars each even if they do play and obviously all those guys can be restricted free agents you'd expect all of them to get much higher salaries in the end but it doesn't make sense to extend them because once you extend them that cap hole goes away and it's filled by their actual salary so BAM's max is going to be probably about 28 million or so starting next year he's a max player clearly and so by extending bam now his cap holds 15 million his starting salary would be like 28 you are essentially vaporizing 13 million dollars in cap space in the summer of 2021 and by robinson and none similarly whatever their cap hold would have been compared to what their starting salary would be in that new contract you're vaporizing that amount of cap space as well as of right now i have them projected at 37 million dollars in cap space in the summer of 2021 that would be enough for the 30 percent max 
and one Giannis Antetokounmpo or anyone else for that matter who would fit into that there could be a little bit more room than that if I'm calculating out right now that it's just going to be that minimum three percent raise it could increase by more could go up 10 percent, get you up to about 120 million uh that's what the the range looks like essentially there but either way bam in particular extending him just doesn't seem like it's going to be possible so that's just an explanation of that you see this a lot of times when guys develop who are lower picks develop into being superstars it just doesn't make sense to extend them and Kawhi Leonard was really the first prominent example of that when he was going to get a max extension in 2015 they did not extend him in the autumn of 2014 so that they could bring in LaMarcus Aldridge and they immediately won 67 games after that but Kawhi apparently was never fully pleased with that even though it ended up helping the team Yes, that means the rest of Miami's offseason is a little bit a little bit less compelling. They don't have a, a lot of wiggle room there. And while it happened in the mock-off season, I do not expect Andre Gudala to be in a different uniform. There aren't that many ways for it to happen. But, you know, theoretically, if Miami thinks they can do better with that cap space, maybe a team like Atlanta or one of the, you know, what or or even the Warriors with the aforementioned Gudala trade exception, it is a possibility. He is like in, in certain ways, he's actually like the most movable of Miami's players that is under contract just because he's not essential to their future, even though he, you could argue he's important to their present. Uh, we could also mention that yeah. Miami, sorry, unless you have something on Andre. No, not, not really. I, I think I'm not sure that anyone would want to take him at his $15 million salary. I mean, you could, could see him maybe getting moved for someone who makes a little bit less. And depending on how much Dragic and Crowder go for, you know, I think there's no free agent out there. I think that I would prioritize for the Heat over Goran Dragic on a one-year deal. I mean, because they theoretically have 20 million in cap states, right? You could just offer Danilo Gallinari one year, 20 million. I would rather have Dragic than Gallo. I'm not sure how the Heat would feel about that. Um, how about if they bring back Crowder and Dragic? I mean, well, well, let me ask you about that. I mean, is there, do you agree with me that there aren't any free agents I'd prioritize over Dragic? Because the, the problem, of course, is that you have to keep Dragic's capital on the books to have the ability to re-sign him with bird rights. And so that vaporizes your cap space until you renounce his bird right. Yeah, or until you replace it with the signing, which would be less, presumably, than his capital, which is high. No, there there really aren't that many aren't that many players, especially when you consider what Miami's looking for and the limitation that they can functionally, it, it appears they're only going to offer one-year contract there lots of players i think would fit in gallinari you brought up i could see marcus morris fitting in there like and i don't think you want a big next to bam i love bam but i don't i don't think you i don't think you want or need somebody like ibaka next to him so yeah dragic dragic would be my guy absolutely fred van fleet would be awesome there but again you're not going to get him on a one-year contract and i i would yeah. be intrigued by the fit but miami is one of the few teams and this goes back to a piece i wrote for the athletic about a week ago they're one of the few teams that has legitimate enough aspirations for for the best players that vaporizing their space doesn't make sense like there there's a bunch of teams that i think will be in a different category there but miami both with their big game hunting history but also with their immediate success and the desirability of miami as a place they they have a real they have a real chance here and rolling the dice for them is better than it is in some other places what about if they bring back Dragic and crowder at a number that would enable them to use the full mid-level for one year who might you realistically be targeting i mean one would think that they would just my i think the best use of their money would be offering Derek jones as much as you could to realistically stay below the tax over one year but i think 
my guess is with him being 23 and having been making the minimum for his whole career he's just going to take the most guaranteed money that's out there and so i i I expect him to be gone do you agree with that i do expect as long as the market materializes and it sounds like it is i I think that's probably the probably the right approach for him to take just to to secure that right now and remember Derek jones jr wasn't so firm in miami's rotation that he could be super confident that oh i i could get right back out there and everything's gonna be fine i mean he was largely marginalized during a lot of their playoff run they had good options but especially if part of the reason that we're talking about this is they're bringing those good options back so in that case i would be looking you know i've talked to jay crowder or sorry not jay crowder mo harkless maybe jermichael green i mean it'd be he'd be intriguing uh, i it, there, there aren't i mean gr3 probably like a forward type guy especially because tyler hero is going to take the take and hero and robinson are going to take the lion's share of those kind of like offensive perimeter minutes and you don't need as much shot creation if dragic comes back the, you can name those guys but the another thing i'd be interested for you is let's say dragic leaves what would you be looking for in kind of that in that role because that's a real weakness of this 2020 free agent class yeah i mean you'd probably go down to like a jordan clarkson or something as as your next best option or maybe they just would not even bother with that role and just say kendrick nunn and tyler hero that's enough for us as perimeter creators although again as we saw in the finals that was a pretty big downgrade but yeah this is not a group that is high on potential creators maybe there's a thought that they could try to do something for demar derozan like iguodala and Olenek for derozan if dragic leaves they don't have many assets to include there obviously but i i do think you know derozan wouldn't be terrible with this group I don't know. I guess Butler and DeRozan and Bam is probably just too many non-shooters offensively. Here, here's the one I'm more interested in. There, M- Miami is very low on assets. They do have the 20th pick in this draft, um, but yeah. out, outside of outside of that, and depending on how people feel about Casey Okpala, a lot of their best young players are guys they're not trading, so they don't really matter. I don't think there's anybody on the market right now that would be worth giving up Tyler Hero. Yeah, but I would look. I would look into moving none actually because yeah, I agree with you. you mentioned mentioned i think he may have been a little over his head last year and he's older than you think and he's going to require a raise for 2021 so I, I would look into maybe moving him for someone who's a little bit more established but but so here's here's uh, yeah. my question we know the limitations in terms of not wanting to vaporize 2021 space is it possible using potentially iguodala olenek that kind of salary matching that they could buy low on victor oladipo and say well if Giannis comes then we're gonna have to let you go but we're interested in bringing you back if everything goes well yeah that's an interesting one and maybe Kendrick Nunn could be the bait there I would certainly look into that if I were the Heat and I don't know that there would necessarily be a better offer out there for the Pacers I just don't know how they would evaluate Kendrick Nunn and Casey Akpala for example I mean obviously Hero wouldn't be in a deal like that they are extremely extremely high on him but yeah I do like them as a potential Oladipo destination I, I think that's a, a very interesting idea and actually Olenek might be able to help the Pacers a, a little bit too um yeah I I, I think that's uh, they seem like one of the more logical Oladipo suitors to be sure well and that's also why the limitation of assets is why I don't think Miami's going to get in the Drew Holiday Derby he you know he could fit in with this team just like a lot of guys could but Holiday is a better better player slash you know asset right now than Oladipo is due to the injury 
treasury and everything else. And so I don't think Miami has both. I don't think they have the sendable resources if we're counting guys like Hero is off the board to, to make that happen. But for Oladipo, you know, I, I could I wouldn't be stunned to see them do that kind of a, a buy low on a player who's not under contract. I think that Riley will be more zealous about keeping the space. But if you can have your cake and eat it too with somebody like that, I think that I think that it, it could be worth it for Miami betting on their culture, betting on their medical staff and just seeing where things go. And the worst case scenario, if you didn't give up that much, the worst case scenario is, yeah, you you burned the 20th pick or Kendrick Dunn or both on a gamble that didn't pay off. Yeah, we'll see how high the holiday sweepstakes actually get and how serious new orleans is about potentially keeping him you know if it were none in the 20th pick if these teams that have more ammo just aren't willing to put that in then maybe miami could become competitive there well and And the the, the salary filler for them is the probably the best salary filler of any team that could potentially make bids i mean iguodala and owinick both help your team yeah so in other words iguodala would return to the bay area until he was traded to a contender at the deadline again if he got sent to new orleans Maybe New Orleans, he might be interested in playing with Zion a little bit or like being a coach on the sidelines or something. I don't know. No, no chance. No chance. He'll, uh, he, he will, he is not interested in going to New Orleans. I, I feel pretty confident, confident about that. Um, you know, I mean, maybe they get into a battle with him and insist that he show up. But, um, well, and then the other nice thing about a, a potential Drew trade also is he then might make Dragic redundant and you could use that 20 million in cap space on a one year deal, maybe for Gallo, right? So now you're talking about Drew and Gallo in there that's a pretty nice replacement for uh, although your one concern though if you're Miami is Drew Holiday as a player option for 27 million if he gets hurt or something that could torpedo everything your 2021 plan so maybe maybe that doesn't end up happening for that reason uh in addition to them not having that many assets so um all right that's probably enough here for fantasy land what else needs to be discussed with these guys not much huh I mean the none in Robinson they're not guarantees they're obviously going to get guaranteed immediately um well you don't it already sounds like Udonis Haslam is basically confirmed that he will be a member of the 2020 slash 21 Miami Heat so there's that yes he he said he wasn't going to push for playing time but he does feel he could still contribute that's fantastic he's gonna be back though i mean i i wonder i haven't done the math on how much they owe him for him opting out years and years and years ago but uh he's gonna he's gonna get close especially if he plays until he's 50 oh man uh all right so anything else on these guys or, or can we wrap up here I, I mean i guess jones jr would you here's another question would you prioritize him or crowder on a one-year deal i i think we know what the heat would do but what would you think I honestly would probably prioritize Crowder just because they're trying to be competitive right now and Derek Jones Jr. just doesn't have as complete a game. And remember, Miami's aiming high. They're not having Derek Jones Jr. on a one-year contract that he that you're probably going to have to to like with renounce that cap hold doesn't do you as much of a favor as as it would in another circumstance maybe you could yeah. trade so i think i'd probably go with jay crowder and he's just a tough fit next to jimmy butler too i mean when you can't play him with Adebayo and butler at the same time due to the lack of shooting i think that becomes more difficult so yeah i do think the fit of crowder is better there's i think there's many teams that might prefer jones jr over crowder however um but yeah i mean jones jr seems like a good guy at age 23 to get a longer term deal anyway i mean maybe if they got up to like one year 15 million maybe that could be competitive with the offers i expect him to get although who knows this he could be one of those guys that we like more than everyone else uh but all right i think we're rambling here we ready to wrap this one absolutely at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar 
Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.